it's much better for me to share my client hit their first million dollar sales a year than that their, their profit grew from $40,000 a year to $140,000 a year. It doesn't sound as sexy, does it? And so I was finding myself falling into the trap and I said, no, I need to have these uncomfortable conversations and educate people about why profit is so important. Welcome to Imperfect Action. I'm Steph Taylor. For years, I read all the books, downloaded all the freebies and did all the courses. But it wasn't until I started taking Imperfect Action that my business had its first million dollar year. Imperfect Action is about doing things before you're ready, prioritizing consistent action over perfect action and moving forward even when you're not sure you're doing it right. On this show, you can expect mindset advice, actionable marketing tips, and strategies to build a business that brings you more profit, more freedom, and even more joy. Are you on the list to get my daily biz boosters? Every day, I'll send you a bite-sized prompt designed to help you grow your business in a more intentional way. Sign up at stephtaylor.co forward slash DBB or at the link in the show notes. Hey, welcome back to Imperfect Action. This is episode 620. Today, I am interviewing one of my best friends, Claire Wood, who is a money mentor. Now, unlike a lot of people in the online business space who talk about money mindset, but don't really talk about the actual substantial things, the actual practical things beneath that money mindset, Claire Wood is a qualified CPA. And that means she's actually qualified to be an accountant and to talk about all things money. And one particular topic she loves talking about is profit, which is what we are chatting about today in this episode. She's recently written a book called Intentional Profit. It comes out in mid-March, so you can head on over to pre-order the copy of that book. You'll find the link for that in the show notes. And I think you are going to get a lot out of today's conversation, no matter what point you are at in your business, because a lot of the time in the online space, we're all talking about top line sales revenue and nobody is out there talking about what expenses are coming out of that sales revenue and what kind of profit is left over and how can you grow that profit over time? Because a lot of the time when you're growing that sales revenue, your expenses grow. And that means your business actually might not be that profitable. It might even become less profitable as you grow if you are not being mindful of your profit. So today we're chatting through Claire's six profit pillars, and I know you're going to get so much out of this episode. So let's jump in and get started. Claire Wood, I am so excited to have you here to chat profit today. You are one of my best biz buddies turned one of best life buddies. And I have so much respect for everything that you do about money, profit, mindset, all of the things. So thank you so much for coming on to Imperfect Action. <laughs> well, it's really great to be here. And this is actually the first time I've been on the Imperfect Action podcast. I've been on yeah. Socialette a couple of times, but this is the first time I've been on since you've rebranded. And, you know, I have to say, I am loving it, loving the content you're putting out there, and I'm sure the listeners are too. Yes. So, Claire, we're not going to spend a huge amount of time diving into your story and all of that, because we did that in the last episode with you, which I remember was a very long time ago. Like, I remember recording that episode on my bed when I was living in London, so it would have been 2018, 
And I'm sure there's been a lot more that's happened in your journey since then. So talk us a little bit through the last couple of years in your business and where you are now and what you do now. Yeah, for sure. I actually think you have me on to chat about my launches as well a couple of years back because I did launch magic and I had some epic transformations from being a proud launch magic graduate. So I did come on for that as well. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. So you've been on here. This is now your third time. This is amazing. This is right. Yes. Um, but yes, proud launch magic graduate. Um, so, you know, just a really, really quick background to, you know, who I am, what I do. So I teach business owners about profit and my background is actually in accounting. So I'm a qualified accountant. I'm a CPA. And what I do is I weave together like the concepts of money magic into teaching business owners about profit. And the reason why I do this is because not a lot of people in the online world are having these awkward conversations. So that's why I'm so passionate about having these conversations. And why profit in particular? Like I know it's not something people really talk about. We hear about the people who've had the million dollar year and spent $999,000 in Facebook ads to get there. So why, like, why is it that you feel so called to talk about profit and the mindset behind all of that. So it's interesting because I actually worked, before I started my own business, I worked for many years in corporate world. And, you know, I worked as an accountant. I worked as a commercial manager. And in big business, it's always all about profit. Like if, if someone came <laughs> and said, oh, don't worry about the profit because we hit a massive sales year, management, the shareholders, everyone would be mortified. And yet, what I found really interesting when I came into small business is that firstly, I think there's not actually a lot of awareness around what exactly profit is. And even the people that do understand aren't having these conversations because the reality is people aren't used to hearing things in that terminology. And what I was finding was happening with me was I was doing exactly the same thing. In fact, in that episode on your podcast, I kept talking about my $100,000 launches <laughs> without sharing because I'm like, that is a language that people were used to hearing. Like that is something that in the small business world, we're used to talking about, you know, having a six-figure business, having a multi-six-figure business, having a seven-figure business. And to break that, uh, you know, what people are familiar with is really uncomfortable and people aren't used to hearing it. And I think I just felt really called to do it because behind the scenes, this is what I've been doing with my clients for years. You know, I run their profit and loss reports with them. When we do our budgeting, I'm like, it doesn't matter what your sales number is. It matters how much profit you're making. And I realized that I was having these conversations privately, but wasn't really bringing it to the forefront publicly because people feel uncomfortable about it, (laughs) including myself. I was finding myself going, oh, this is awkward sharing, you know, you know, it's much Better for me to share my client hit their first million dollar sales a year than that their, their profit grew from $40,000 a year to $140,000 a year. It doesn't sound as sexy, does it? And so I was finding myself falling into the trap and I said, no, I need to have these uncomfortable conversations and educate people about why profit is so important. I also wonder if one of the reasons we don't talk about it is a lot of people in the online business space are really good at selling and not very good at running a business. and. Profit tells you so much more about the health of a business and what's going on behind the scenes than that top line sales number. 
And there are ways people can manipulate that top line sales number to make it seem higher. They can account for payment plans that haven't arrived yet. They can translate it into their local currency rather than US dollars or all of those different things can make it seem so much higher than what it is. And meanwhile, everything that's going on underneath that profit number, like all of those expenses are just piling up and it's very expensive business to run. Like somebody can have a million dollar business and make a hundred thousand dollars. And somebody can have a $200,000 sales year and make $100,000 profit. And they're walking away with the same amount of money, but one of them is just a much more efficient business. Um, so like, what are your thoughts on, you know, I guess pe- how people build these businesses that end up being very inefficient, where they've got all of these expenses and costs a lot of money to run. Do you have any strong thoughts on that? Yeah. Look, it's super easy to happen. Um, I, I just want to share that, you know, as someone who's worked, you know, I've worked in, big global organization and even sometimes big big corporates like that end up becoming quite inefficient like when you look at their top line sales number and translate it down to the bottom line profitability it's very easy to happen and you know i've definitely experienced that in my own business journey you know you start to you're growing quickly you kind of put a band-aid over a problem and um and then suddenly you're like holy smokes this is really affecting my overall profitability the other thing that I do want to highlight here, and, and you know, um, this is what my new book is about, Intentional Profit, is it's like sometimes it's okay not to be making a profit or, or a big profit in the short term if you're doing it with intent. So an example of this might be, you know, uh, writing a book costs me a hell of a lot of money. Like it's it's a big investment to, to create and write a book for the way that I did it. <laughs> um, and, but for me, when I was working it out, I was like, this is a short-term hit to my profitability with a plan of, of long-term business growth. And so the thing is, I can see why businesses become unprofitable. I can see why their, their profit margin declines because as you're rapidly growing, you're sticking band-aids over problems, you're hiring people, you're thinking, oh my gosh, um, you know, there's a whole layer of, of money stories that come into this as well because sometimes if you're really uncomfortable with earning a lot more money if we're not used to it. And we think, oh gosh, I've got suddenly I've got a lot more money in my bank. It feels really uncomfortable to me. How about I go and spend some money on Facebook ads or hire a really expensive coach or whatever it might be because I I feel uncomfortable actually holding money. And um I mean and it's okay if you're doing these investments with intention is my belief. And that's sort of why I'm such a big believer in like make your plan. Like if you want a short term go backwards or you know, invest in something. And actually, we're having this conversation just off air about how sometimes you need to spend money to make money. Yeah. But are you just throwing spaghetti at a wall or are you actually saying my game plan of this investment would be that it would deliver this much back to my business in the longer run? Mm, and we're going to dive. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions about those pillars of intentional profit in a minute. But I actually really just had an interesting conversation with my Freedom Fast Track students um, just before this interview. And I was talking to them a little bit about how especially when it's just us in the business. Like if we don't have a team, if it's just like a single person business, it's very easy for our lifestyle costs to almost become like a business expense. Especially if you're not running a company, if you're like a sole trader and you know it's all just coming into the same bank account, it's very easy for your lifestyle costs to firstly creep up as you make more money, but almost become that extra business expense. Do you have any advice for somebody who's in that situation? Well, I would 100% say you always need to separate your business from your personal finances. Yeah. 
even as a sole trader, you know, I tell people is if you're a sole trader, please set up a separate bank account. Because if you start blurring your lines between what's your money and what's the business's money, you couldn't find yourself in a whole world of pain because you still need to, you know, have your, your organizational obligations and you still have to pay tax on that money. And I think that sometimes people forget that. Um, you know, you sort of like, what made this money? And, um, you know, and that's, that's fun. I mean, that's part of the reason we like to earn more money, right? But I would always say, please separate your, you know, your business and your personal finances. And as your business is growing, really be intentional, I guess, about that money and say, am I putting money aside to cover tax? You know, if you're paying, if you've got GST or sales tax, are you putting money aside to make sure that you can meet all of those, those obligations? And, um, and you know, just to be clear, I'm poo poo the idea as well of expanding your lifestyle. I mean, that's why, that's why we do, and it's kind of one of the benefits of, of growing a successful and profitable business is that we can have fun and, and enjoy it. But it is, it's a very, very real thing that can happen. And oh my gosh, I've had so many clients of mine over the years that are making over a million dollars a year. And they're like, I still feel broke. Because <laughs> mm. they've bought well, that. Well, a couple of reasons, firstly, that the business model isn't actually profitable. So they're hitting the top line sales number and, um, you know, and it's not translating into bottom line profit. That's the first thing. The second is that, sorry, is the business model one usually for physical products where it's like the expenses to deliver it are so high? Is that what you mean by that? I'm even talking, you know, I primarily work with service-based businesses, but what I see happen, like, you know, I work with lots of digital marketing agencies. And so what tends to happen when they're in rapid growth is that they are hiring team members really quickly. They are upgrading software systems. They're hiring consultants. Um, a lot of times what I see with agencies as well is they, you know, will then get an office space, um, to, oh. to bring the team together, which is another big overhead cost. And, um, and again, this is where sometimes if we're bringing people on and not actually checking, because a lot of times there can be real inefficiencies too in things like agencies where, you know, they hire someone, they're paying them this amount of money, but they're not, you know, the person's got personal admin costs. They, you know, have, downturn and they're not managing their clients efficiently and um and yeah we can see businesses hemorrhaging cash um you know even in a small business structure such as mine you know i know that you know you can bring on an assistant which then suddenly start the hours start adding up you start upgrading your systems as your audience grows you might bring on a, a second form of administrative support you might you know be spending money on facebook ads and suddenly all of those things start to stack up and you're like Whoa, even though I'm making a lot more money, it doesn't feel like I've got a whole lot more left at the end. Um, so that's the first thing. The second thing that I can see happen is that there's a lag in taxation. So particularly mm. I see this where businesses grow really rapidly. Um, you know, this one client of mine was making over a million dollars a year. She had a $250,000 tax debt. So she'd even been paying her tax progressively throughout the year, got to the end of the year and still owed a quarter of a million dollars which she then had to put on a payment plan which then meant that even though her business was doing really well she was just struggling to find her feet like still paying off this debt as well as the regular tax that she had to pay as well as all of her team costs so even though she had a really successful business and because of the rapid growth that it kind of caught up with her yeah. um, and, and i guess that really reinforces the need to have that separate account where you're saving that which i don't yeah. think many people do 
No. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it definitely, especially when you go through rapid growth, that really can bite you quickly. Um, and then the third thing again is, you know, as your business is growing, I don't know, I, and I'm sure you've experienced this. I know I definitely have is that when you're going through a period, you go, Hey, I want to treat myself, you know, um, <laughs> my hubby is, um, at this. you know, he's, he's having a really successful year this year. And, you know, he hit a hundred thousand on the map, but he really wanted to, you know, buy himself something nice. So he, he went and got, you know, um, personalized plate and then he had another hundred thousand on the month and wanted to give himself another treat. And I'm like, of course you can, you know, you've had a massive month. Why not? But these sort of things all add up. And what you can find is that, you know, you're booking the extra nice holiday. You are going, Oh, I can afford to actually go and buy some new clothes now for a change. Um, why can't we eat out and treat ourselves? And, and it can really, you know, on the personal finance side, this stuff can really add up again if you're not being intentional with it. Mm, I definitely noticed that when my business grew. It was like, uh, and I mean, like, luckily we was, we were kind of locked inside at the stage where my business grew really quickly. So I was limited on what I could actually spend my money on. Like I wasn't, I wasn't like booking first class flights around the world, which I don't think I would have anyway. <laughs> I mean, I might have been. Um, but, I definitely noticed like the creep in my overall lifestyle expenses, like how much it costs me to live in a general month now compared with four years ago is a lot more. And it's upgraded, you know, moving into a bigger house. It's all of the little things. It's the, the better gym membership or the, the three streaming services instead of one. And it like just all piles up and individually they don't feel like a huge expense. But then when you step back and look at it, it's like that has grown. A lot. So I want to change tack and I want to talk about these six pillars of intentional profit. So I've read your book. I got an early copy and I feel very blessed to have had the opportunity to read it. So your six pillars that you've outlined, your money mindset, intentionally invest in your growth, anchor your goals with a financial plan, scale up using meaningful marketing strategies, become a gun at pivoting and problem solving and lay the groundwork for growth and expansion. So let's start with the first one. Like you are a CPA, you have a very commercial and corporate background. What was it that drew you to money mindset? And what was your, what's been your own journey with money mindset? Like where did you first come across it? And where did you first begin to think this is super important for all businesses? Yeah. So I actually got introduced to it early in my business days. A friend of mine um, who also ran a small business said, there's this lady called Denise Arthur Thomas. You should go and check her out. She talked about like thinking about stuff to make more money. I was like, that sounds ridiculous. I don't believe in it. How absurd. But I went over and followed it just out of curiosity. And then I started to realize that, you know, that the idea of, of manifestational mindset is that, you know, you attract things into your life that you believe to be possible. And I realized that I'd actually been doing this without even knowing about it. So something that I've always been amazing at manifesting is travel. So, um, you know, it's such a big passion of mine. And I know, you know, I'd be like, I really want to go on this trip. I'd have no money for it, but I'd be like, I'll put down the deposit. And then somehow like when the repayments fell, like the money would just kind of show up for me. Um, I had done so many trips that I don't even know how I thought that I could possibly afford to do the trip. And somehow it all came together. Friends would be like, you know, I'd be in London. They'd be like, hey, I'm going away for a month. Do you want to stay in my room while I'm away? And it would just always seem to 
beautifully, like serendipitously come together for me that I got to just travel. And, you know, one particular trip I did that really stands out, I was traveling, um, I had a round the world ticket. I'd resigned from my job and um, I did three months in South America with two of my girlfriends. And I said, I just feel like I'm just going to keep on traveling. I said, this too. It makes no, like, logically, that makes no sense for an accountant mm. to think like that. My job that I had resigned from contacted me and said, we're paying you a bonus. And the bonus oh. was $30,000. What? I swear to God. And I just had this sense of, yeah, I kind of knew that was like somehow the money was going to come together. I just had this weird sense that it was everything was going to work out. So I was like, awesome. Off I go to Europe, spend a couple of months in Europe, and then mesh off my trip in Japan. And I realized that I'd actually been doing this, even though my logical accounting brain couldn't wrap my head around it. When I educated myself around it, I realized, actually, maybe I'm already doing this without even realizing it. Things always seem to come together for me in certain areas of my life. And what the work that I learned through this was like, well, what if I could apply that kind of thinking into the space of money? And what happened was the more that I started to work on my beliefs, my fears, my stories around money, the more I started to recognize, oh, I'm sabotaging my success through this. What if I rewrote that story? And then seeing the translation of that into my business, into things that were happening in other areas of my life has just been incredible, transformational. And it's really how I help my clients as well with helping grow their profit. Can we, let's take this a step back because I'm sure there are some people listening to this who are like, but hang on, what's a money story? Yeah. So our money stories are what we believe about money. And if you aren't sure what your money stories are, you, there's a couple of prompts that I've written in the book, but even just now, like, you know, when you've listened to Steph on the podcast, talk about having a million dollar year in business, just see what comes up for you. And mm. is there this sense of, oh, it's good for her because, you know, She's very confident talking in front of the camera or, um, you know, she's been in business a long time. Something will instantly come up for you. A story will instantly, maybe a judgment might come up. And then you can go, I wonder why I feel like that. And then you can check in on where that from. Maybe, um, you know, maybe your lens that you, you know, I know when I first got started in business, I had this lens that everyone who made money was super confident on camera. And were really young and attractive and I didn't fit that mold. And so it couldn't work for me. You're young and attractive. Come on. <laughs> but you know, this is what was coming to me. And I was like, where's this truth from? And I recognized that this was my own like insecurities, stories. You know, it wasn't true. It just wasn't true. I was filtering things through a certain lens. And, you know, there's actual psychology behind this. You know, we see what we're looking for. And anyone who's ever bought a car will notice, right? This, this exact thing happens. Our brain suddenly is like, everyone's driving, you know, like when I first got my BMW, I'm like, everyone drives BMWs. I was seeing them everywhere. But the reality was I was just looking for them. And when we're looking for something, it's what we see again and again and again. So I was obviously looking and in my world, everyone was, you know, looking or being or a certain way. And I'm like, that's actually so not true. I believe like, it's, it's the, the time of money. All I think it's it's the it's your reticular activating system. I believe, and it's like because we filter out like there's so many different things that are around us 
at any point in time. We can't be sitting here being like, oh, there's a mug and a water bottle and a plant and all of these different things around me. Like our brain filters out everything that it doesn't deem to be important and or relevant. And then when you go and buy that car, suddenly your reticular activating system is activated. I don't know if that's the right terminology. And that's why you start noticing it, whereas you're not noticing all of the other cars that are there on the street. And I think that becomes the same with when you start with any kind of belief as well. Like you are filtering out, if you don't believe something's possible for you, you're going to filter out a lot of those opportunities that are there that present themselves. Like with your $30,000 bonus, if you hadn't even considered the travel, you might have just gone and put that in some investments like a sensible accountant would have. A hundred percent. And and this is what sort of happens with our you know, like what becomes normal um, is that, you know, once you've had a $100,000 a year in business, that, like you, anyone will remember the first time that you hit a certain milestone, you're like, and then it just becomes, you know, it's just normal. Well, of course I make $10,000 a month. Like that's just, that's not even something worth celebrating. I do that every night. And then we kind of like adjust our, you know, what's normal for us. Our base and. Yeah, we adjust our baseline and then we sort of go, well, that's just normal. And, you know, it's great. And like, I'm happy, but, you know, um, one of the stories that I share in the book is how I said to a friend of mine, I said, you know, when I grew up, no one went overseas and now everyone travels overseas. And she's like, well, not everyone travels overseas. She was like, you just mix in a different circle now. And everyone that you hang out with now travels overseas regularly. And I was like, oh, and I was like, what a privileged lens that I'm looking through. But then this is what happens with stepping into your next level of growth. You know, if you follow people like Catherine Zenkina or, you know, people like that online and you think, oh my gosh, you flies on personal planes, but that's just big, that private planes. That's become so normalized to her because she's adjusted into a state where it's like, well, of course I travel on, on private planes. You know, of course I fly business class everywhere. And then what happens is you, you are in just such a, a state where that's normal, that that's what you attract. You attract that level of income. You earn that level of income because you believe that that's just normal and normal for you. Mm. And then on the flip side, I mean, it, it that kind of messes with you because you forget then to be grateful for everything that you've had or that you've created, right? Like I think about uh, this time last week when I was walking over to catch up with you for dinner and I was walking past the office office building where I used to work in corporate. And I was midway through a launch and I was thinking like, oh, like this isn't as big of a launch as I thought it would. Like I, I thought it was going to be a bit bigger than this. I had such big expectations for it. And walking past that corporate building where I used to walk on my commute every day, I had this moment where I was like, hang on, this launch has made more money than I used to earn in a year in that corporate job. And I get to work less. I love what I do. I get to work with awesome humans. I have a great team. I have great friends who run their businesses. I have great clients and great students. There is so much to be grateful for. Oh my goodness. Like it's not just about like, A, I've created this financial result, but it's not just about that. Uh, so I think it's so hard to remember to be grateful for these things. Do you have like a gratitude practice that you do regularly? Well, I would definitely say that this is one of the secrets to money mindset is it's, it's kind of ironic because it's like you've got to be grateful for what you have mm. where you are, but also be open to receiving more, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, 
I definitely, you know, I've recently, one of my biggest manifestations has come to fruition, which is buying a home on the water. And, um, you know, I, I really consciously have to remind myself because this is something that was a dream that like, you know, I've only been here for one year. I, I wrote about this for years and years and years, and I have to really go down and sit at the water and say, I'm here. Like, yeah. I know that I want the, to build a nice big house on the block that we're on now, but holy smokes, I dreamt of this. And I think that it is just catching yourself. And whenever I find myself slipping into my scarcity, fear, lack stories, I have to come back to that like you did. Um, you know, similarly, I was in launch last week and I was the same. I was like, oh, I thought it would be bigger than this. I think, no, again, really good launch. But when I was in it, I was so, I was forgetting about all the people that have come in, invested their hard-earned dollars to come and work with me, learn from me. I know from experience that, you know, clients come have a great experience. They buy from you again and again and again. Um, and it's it's sometimes easy to be so focused on the net level that we forget to be super, super grateful for where we are, what we're accomplishing. But it's just something that I would say, come back to it. Like if you're ever feeling yourself in a space or stuff this, forget about it. Um, ask yourself how you can flip the narrative on it. And, um, you know, particularly in launch world, my gosh, it's, it can be a very, very emotional, um, emotional journey. But the more that you can remember, hey, you know, People that you look up to online, they all started somewhere. I know Janice Stafford Thomas always tells the story. One person bought the first round of Money Bootcamp. One. I and know. she, I, I her last launch her. was over $3 million. I interviewed her on the podcast. I think it was this time last year and she shared that story. So if you're listening to this and you're like, who is Denise Duffield Thomas? Go back about a year on this show and we'll, we'll link to it in the show notes as well because she shared her story of how she went from that one person to having huge huge launches uh so i'm I'm, yeah i'm glad you shared her as an example claire because she's a great example of this yeah and i think this is something that i remind my clients of of all the time you know if they are having a a crappy launch whatever i'm like one launch doesn't define anyone ever Mm -hmm. the thing is is how many times you know thomas edison how many times did he keep going (laughs) before he eventually got the light glow um, you know, some just takes refinement and refinement and refinement and all of the big leaders that I look up to online, that's what they do. They just keep going, refining, mm. practicing, tuning, and then, um, getting better and better over time. And, and it's just kind of the core of money mindset is it's like releasing the, um, you know, just having the faith that it's all going to work out. Okay. And that even the failures are good stuff. They're teaching you the things that you need to know for the future. Oh, I love that. That's exactly what this podcast is about. Uh, so then your second pillar, intentionally invest in your growth. What do you mean by this? So something that I see a lot is that people have these big plans, you know, coming back to money mindset, like, oh, I want to be a millionaire. And I'm like, cool. So how are you going to get there? And they're like, well, I'll just triple my sales next year. And I'm like, so you're just going to keep doing the same thing and just triple yourself. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, don't really works. <laughs> um, usually I'm a big believer that you have to invest in your growth and, you know, investing in a course, like investing in a mentor, investing in team. Like if you're really are serious about scaling, there's usually a correlation between the investments that you make and the outcomes that you achieve. So 
the reason I use the word intentionally though is it doesn't just mean, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I want to make a lot more money. Let's just go hire a bunch of people and join a bunch of courses. It's like, we'll get really clear, like, what are my gaps? And, you know, quite often I know when I'm working with clients, they'll say, I really want to launch courses. And I'm like, well, go and do a course. Like intentionally saying, I want to learn how to be an expert launcher. And I'm like, well, go and learn from, you know, step, go join Launch Magic. Um, learning the skills that are your gap. And, you know, for me, I know that mindset is something I'm continually investing in because I always see such a, a strong return on, on that investment. Um, but I think that you have to do it with intention. Don't just go and spend money on a ton of stuff and hope that something sticks. Like say, what are the skills? What What's the gaps that I believe that I have? And then how much do I believe that's going to deliver for me? And this is through my planning process that I talk about later. Um, how like actually mapping out, okay, if I spend this, what am I anticipating that return will give me over time? And then being intentional about those investments. That's easier said than done though. Like we're in the online space where there are a lot of people who are very good at selling and not very good at delivering. So, yes. I mean, like that's, you can have the best, it, you can be like, oh, this is where my budget's going to go. And then you see somebody on Instagram who's selling something using the right words and you're like, this is what I need. And then you've got to invest it in that. And I think we were talking about this recently. Like I spent $1,200 on a course the other day that I was like, this is great. Like she's so good at selling. I'm going to learn how she sells. And I signed up for the course. And well, firstly, I didn't get my login details for a few days, which I was a little bit annoyed about that. Um, but then um, I, I, I logged in and I was like, hang on. This is for like people who don't even sell anything yet. Like this is so beginner, but because I bought it because she sold so well. So I guess what I'm coming back to here is like, how do we know whether something we're investing in is intentional or whether it's that knee jerk reaction of like, oh, this person is selling something that I need. We think it's something that we need because they've sold it so well. Yeah. So a couple of things that I would say to this. Firstly, I think that you probably would have made that decision a lot easier because $1,200 isn't a huge amount of money to you at this stage of your business. It's not. But when you buy like $10, $1,200 courses, <laughs> it becomes a huge amount of money. Well, this is true. But, you know, I do believe that there is like an, um, you know, like I don't think that you would have jumped into a knee-jerk reaction. Like I think about that first course that I bought that was $2,000. That was like one of the biggest decisions of my life that I made. I had to go on a mm. payment plan paying off $200 a month. And even then it scared the crap out of me because it was so much money to spend on something. Like now I would join a $2,000 course and not even think anything of it. Like if I didn't log in or didn't get anything out of it, it wouldn't overly me. <laughs> I know that sounds bad and a little bit privileged. Yeah. But, you know, it, it does become a little bit different, like different amounts at different stages of your journey. Mm-hmm. But the other thing that I would say, um, so I think that you just got to be really considered about your decisions. And also remember too that, you know, you're not always like my plan. People think that because I have budgets and things like that, that everything always goes to plan. That could not be further from the truth. Like sometimes I'm like, yes, this is going to deliver me a return of this or I'm going to fill 10 spots. And it doesn't happen like that. And that's okay. Like there's, uh, you know, as someone who's worked for massive, massive, global names that you would definitely know, they screw it up all the time too. Like a lot of companies mm. have absolutely no control over um global, you know, cost of goods sold, um, labor prices, um, what's happening in, you know, the oil market and things like that. Like there's a lot of things that are completely outside your control. 
But what the thing that the trick to long-term success and long-term profitability is being able to adapt and being agile and also that mindset side of it. Like when I have crappy investors, I'm always like, I learn a good lesson from that. Yeah. Um, you know, <laughs> I definitely, um, I know one of my earliest coaches, she told me that she spent 50,000 US dollars joining this coaching program and the coach was terrible, like so, so bad, so unresponsive, showed up late to calls. And honestly, I'm like, oh my gosh, you must be so angry. And she goes, no, because that money, she goes, I will never ever treat my clients like that. And she goes, in any time that I forget and get a little bit, you know, taking people for granted, I come back and remember how I felt being treated like that by that coach. And she goes, that had paid for itself so many times over because I know I will never, ever treat my students, clients, people in my world like that because I know how, you know, that was so much money to me. And she just completely took off the ground and didn't even care about me. And so see how that's also like the mindset side coming in. Like I bet you've taken from this person, right? You've already taken so many lessons. You're like, oh, there's so many. Hey, I will ever treat my students like that. Your students always get the details straight away. Um, You don't promise things on your sales page that you don't deliver on, which again, you know, something that she said, here's what you'll get. You come inside and you don't get it. And so you can take, You know, if you do make a bad investment, you can flip the thinking of it and be like, wow, okay, I've learned something really important from this about how I will do things differently in my business. Or sometimes, you know, I even bad investments, sometimes I go, well, they did that really well. Like they sold really well. I could take some tips off off that or, you know, like trying to look for the positives in the circumstance. But, you know, just because you have a plan to intentionally invest, it doesn't mean things always go to plan. Like sometimes you might do things that it's like, oops, that didn't pay off or the ROI wasn't quite there. But I firmly believe that everything I am doing, every investment I make, I'm either getting a positive return on investment for or I'm learning a bloody valuable lesson from. Yeah. <laughs> and it's always leading me in the right direction. That I think segues so beautifully into the third pillar, which is anchor your goals with a financial plan. Like you and I, like, I have an accounting background as well. And like, you obviously have an accounting background. So that comes easily to us. But for particularly more creative types or people who are just so completely new to the num- the numbers and the finances and the accounting side of their business, where the heck do they start with a financial plan? Yeah. And, you know, I use the word, how do you use the word financial plan? Because people get freaked out about the word budget. They're <laughs> <laughs> like, no, budget. But look, doing the, once you learn this skill, it's actually like the, the feedback that I work with a lot of creatives and the feedback I overwhelmingly would get is, oh, it's not actually that hard. Um, you know, your financial plan doesn't have to be down to your last cent. It's just like, what are my big investments? What are my big income streams? Like, when am I anticipating that I'm going to be, you know, how many clients am I going to have per month? And whenever we do this exercise, people have so many big ahas. I'm like, this is why you can't grow to a multi-six-figure business because you don't have a way that people can come in to work with you that's terrible. They're like, oh, um, you know, the, the longer that you tell yourself a story about you can't put your prices up, you're always going to be stuck at this income level because you're at capacity. You can't fit any more clients on your books. And the only way that people can kind of see this is when we look ahead and go, oh, Seeing it all in black and white, people realize, oh, that's why I feel broke because I'm spending as much money as I'm earning. Or that's why I feel so stressed out all the time because I'm operating at my absolute maximum capacity for clients. 
and I'm unwilling to put my prices up. Um, and so this is what the plan is. You know, it's not this, you haven't tattooed it on your arm. It's uh-huh. just a bit of a ballpark game plan. And, you know, again, this is what big, big businesses do. They go, what's, what's the best plan that we can make at this point in time with the information we have available to us? And then going, okay, cool. These are the investments that I'm going to make. Um, this is, this is how I'm going to intentionally grow my, my business and my profitability. So yes, it can seem a little bit scary, but, um, you know, like this is my course. I, it's called the Profit Academy. Um, and I teach like this stuff and everyone always just says to me, oh, it's actually not that hard. And I'm like, I know, but it's what the accountants been kept secret. It's just the time of just sitting down and doing it. And, um, you know, most people that I do a budget with, we do it in less than an hour end to end for the 12 months. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Sorry, Archie's um, barking at my cleaner. Good to see he's actually a guard dog. <laughs> All right. Uh, so then the next profit pillar is scale up using meaningful marketing strategies. Now, I remember like certainly from my accounting days and like I had kind of the opposite world of accounting to you. Like I used to work in insolvency and in restructuring and like when a company wasn't going good or when things, you know, when they weren't super profitable, marketing was one of the first things that we would cut. Like, and that's typically what happens is like when somebody's running a business and they're not having a good month, then they're like, oh, let's switch off the Facebook ads because it's the easiest thing to cut the money. And money and marketing don't usually go together. So why is this one of your pillars? Well, it's just one of the things that I'm doing because that was exactly my training too. It was always like cut back on marketing. And it's funny because in my, my last corporate job, I remember that the marketing team were always like spending money and I'd be like, for God's sakes, like, can't you see how this is hurting our profit? And it's so funny now because I'm the complete opposite. I'm like, your marketing is the foundation of your growth. That is the area to, you know, even if it's not financially investing necessarily, like time investing, you know, your social media, your emailing your list. I know you talk about this again and again, but the number of people who don't do that is incredible. And so this, this chapter was really about teaching people, you know, if you want to make more money, look at your marketing. Like, do you have an intentional marketing strategy? Like, what are you doing? Are you building that know, like, and trust with people? Are you intentionally growing the, the number of, you know, potential new clients who can fill your business? And I know in Launch Magic, you know, it's one of the things that we spoke about was like boosting your audience. Like when, when I sit down with people and I'm like, but what are you actually actively doing in this space? Um, it's something I ask myself all the time too. Don't worry. But what are you actively doing here to, to, you know, boost your audience? And then how are you bringing them from, you know, it's, it doesn't matter if you've got a hundred thousand million followers. If you're not doing anything to bring them, you know, onto your email list to build that know, like, and trust with them, they're still not going to buy from you. You can have a massive following of people who don't buy. So you also need to bring them from that place of, Oh, they're so and so to. Oh, let's develop a relationship. Let's jump on their email list and let's start to see, you know, listen to their podcast. Um, and then, you know, then they become paying clients over time. So, um, your marketing is honestly, it's one of the most important things in terms of growing your business. And I think especially like in the last couple of years, well, actually more than a couple of years ago now, like if we think back to like maybe 2014, 2015, 2016, that was like the social media heyday, right? That was when you could set up an Instagram account, post some pretty pictures and your business would get basically free marketing. And I know there's a lot of business owners now who still expect that. What is your opinion on 
trying to go down the free marketing path versus the investing in paid marketing of some kind path? Because I have strong opinions on this, which I'll share. <laughs> Look, I mean, I think it's a changing space, truthfully. Um, you know, I, I'm a big Instagrammer and, um, I have a bit of a love hate relationship with Instagram because, um, you know, people feel, I, I guess that even though I don't have a huge following on Instagram, I have a very engaged audience on Instagram and a lot of my clients, my one-on-one clients, my students know me through Instagram and followed me for years and feel like they have a, a real sense of trust in terms of the, the depth of a relationship that you can grow on a platform like that. However, you know, in the recent world of, of reels and flat posts and all of the things, sometimes things that you've been doing, like I'm like, I know that if I do this, it's going to go absolutely nuts. I'm going to have a ton of leads. I do the same thing a week later and then I find out the algorithm's changed. I'm like, far out, man. Like we have no control over this platform. It is a, you know, a world of its own. I don't own any of those followers that are on Instagram. So something that I've been really intentional about over about the last six to nine months, I constantly am promoting my lead magnets. I am trying to get people off the gram onto my email list, which I own, um, and really get them there. Um, similarly with Facebook ads, I've had a real love hate relationship with, with paid ads in that space. Um, you know, sometimes it, it, it's going well and then other times, again, we have no control over it. So I really do think like diversification is the key to your strategy, having some things in the paid space, some things unpaid and not putting all your eggs in one basket because I think that that is really scary when you have no control over it. And it's something that I constantly get reminded about with Instagram, which is my main marketing platform. I'm like, I don't own this. And anytime something changes, I'm like, oh, good reminder to make sure mm. that I'm continuing to use my other marketing channels to find and draw in new clients. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like I know that for me, like Facebook ads has been a great way to scale my audience because once I know that something's working to an organic audience and it's like, great, let's add fuel to the fire. Let's put some ads onto it. And I know a lot of business owners don't want to because in their mind, they're like, oh, marketing shouldn't be an expense. Marketing should be free. I should be able to just get out there and reach all these new people. And unfortunately, that's not the case that easily anymore. Uh, like there are a lot of organic things you can do. But to really scale up that growth, it can be so effective to invest in paid ads or working with a publicist who can get you into podcasts and media and all of that. Um, so that's, yeah, I like, I like your opinion on that. It's slightly different to mine, but kind of along the yeah. same train. And I'm definitely um, doing both. Like for me, I'm like, you know, using organic and also using paid strategies as well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So a good blend of the two. Um, do you have like a guideline on, is there like a percentage of profit or a percentage of sales that somebody could or should like invest back into marketing? I think it's so gross. I'm, I get really nervous to share. Even people ask me what, like what percentage of my sales should translate to profit. And I'm like, mm. but it's so different for every business, industry, and also individual because like, I'm going to share this. You know, I've worked with a lot of different types of businesses over the years. And some business owners I've worked with have wealthy parents, um, mm. a wealthy partner. They might still, you know, live at home and not have a lot of expenses. And sometimes people like that do really, really well because they can lean in and invest so heavily into their business, having that safety net there. Um, 
other times, you know, the entire time I've run a business, I've had a baby, the mortgage, and um, a partner who also runs a very volatile business. And so it hasn't really been an option for me to lean in as much as perhaps other people have been able to. Um, I am by all means not crying with Paul Meekard. I recognize <sighs> I'm extremely more privileged than most people on the planet. Um, but I guess that I just want to highlight here that like, if you can lean in, like if you can lean into your Facebook ads and go, right, I'm going all in, I guarantee you, you will get a faster result than someone who doesn't have the bandwidth to do that. Like the more that you can lean in and invest in your business in a measured way that's not going to leave you with homeless. a strategy, with a strategy, with intention, then the faster you're going to get results. And, you know, um, I remember when you were massively leaning on your Facebook ads and I'm like, oh my gosh, that would terrify me. But it's how you I want to scale your business so rapidly because you let in and did what a lot of people wouldn't have the courage to do. And I think that, um, I think that it kind of needs to be balanced, I guess, is the point that I'm trying to make. For some people, the amount that they can invest in is going to be higher. And for other people, that's not really going to be an option because they have, you know, <laughs> due to their circumstances, they can't lean in as much. So, um, yeah, I think that just again, and I know that you teach this again and again, but, you know, just whatever you're doing, make sure that you're checking your return on investment. Don't just throw thousands of dollars at Facebook ads and think, well, because I'm paying money, it's going to no. sort itself out. Yeah. Oh my goodness. No. And like, yeah, to bring it back to your point about my business growing so quickly, that point, that was not, it, it wasn't like I suddenly went one day and I was like, I'm going to spend $10,000 a day on Facebook ads. I didn't just do that. It started with, you know, $50 a day. I had a funnel that was converting really well. I put $50 a day into Facebook ads. Oh, wow. We're generating 200 a day in sales. Let's see what happens if we put a hundred a day in. Oh, we're doubling. Okay. Great. Let's put. 500, a thousand. And it kept, I kept scaling that up to that point where I, yeah, you know, we were spending $10,000 a day on Facebook ads, but we were generating more than that in return because I was measuring it and tracking it and all of that. And yeah, I think, yeah, going in with a strategy and knowing, and knowing like what kind of results you're after, what you're looking for and being able to say, is this generating a good return or is it not? Do we scale it up? Do we not scale it up? And these days, most of the ads that I run are lead generating ads. So they're generating people onto my email list. So I don't, I don't see the sales from that expenditure for a while, but I also have that faith because I know if I can get somebody onto my email list in 180 days, they're probably going to buy something. Yeah. You know, like there's a good percentage of those people who are on my list within 180 days, they will buy something. Uh, so that's, yeah, that was, we, we ended up diving into that one a little bit more than I thought we would. <laughs> we did, we were a bit worried that we might be able to talk a bit too much on this episode. Yes. <laughs> uh, so pillar number five, become a gun at pivoting and problem solving. Explain what you mean by this. Well, this is just coming back to that, you know, people's fear, like the, the number one fear that I hear people say, like about making a plan for their finances is like, what if I get it wrong? And I'm like, well, mm. you're going to get it wrong. Like, let go of that idea because you're going to get it wrong. Like, that's just part of the process. And this is what this this chapter is about. It's like, look, you're going to make mistakes in business. Literally what the entire foundation of this podcast is about, right? Imperfect action. Like, you're going to have scrubs. You're going to have times where you make a financial plan or an investment and it doesn't work out. And this is really just about saying, like, just embrace it. Like, failure is part of the journey. You are going to make decisions that don't pay off. You are going to make mistakes and it's okay. 
the more that you can give yourself permission to make mistakes and then learn from it. Like the, the definition of insanity, though, is doing the same thing over and over again and wondering why you're getting the same yeah. outcome. Um, but, you know, if, you, if you're making a mistake and go, okay, cool, I learned my lesson, I'm going to do things a bit differently this time, then that is where the growth happens, the growth edge. It's really going, cool, every time I make a mistake, I'm moving forward because I'm learning learning a lesson. So that's what that chapter was really about is saying, hey, you're going to make mistakes and it's okay. And just learn how to like learn the lesson and then move forward. I think there's so much power in that and so much power in being flexible and adaptable. Like I certainly, I think the business owners who succeed the most are the ones who are like, huh, okay, this isn't working out the way I wanted it to. What do I do differently? How can I, what can I learn from this and how can I adapt rather than the ones who are like, this isn't going to the plan. Oh my goodness. What's going on? And then freaking out that it's not going to the plan. Like I, I know we've talked about this. I think we talked about this actually in your last episode that you did on this show when you were talking about the launch and, and pivoting or being flexible with what happened in your launch. Um, can you think of like another time when that's happened in your business? No. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, like I've literally recently had to pivot the whole messaging of my business by um and really getting super super clear about like who I serve how I serve them and what my whole brand and ethos is about um you know I think that as as business owners we can't afford not to be agile in terms of you know the platforms that we show up on the, the messaging that we have um you know we need to be able to adapt and change as as the market do so there's just heaps and heaps of different situations that I can think of but you know all of these lessons are exactly that. And I honestly, like, I look back on some of my biggest failed launches and I'm like, I am so glad that happened because I'm actually probably the mentor. And I was just like, my first launch was a million and my next launch was five million. And, you know, I would have no, I would not be able to relate to my clients or people going through struggles at all as compared to being like, Hey, this still happens to me. And here's what I learned from it. Here's how I adapt. Here's how I pivot. Um, so I think that it's all just beautiful, powerful lessons to make this forward. Yeah, I think one of the values, like one of the best things of value you can get from working with a mentor like you is, for example, like, yeah, you learn from the mistakes that they've made rather than just from like this beautiful theory of like how it should play out. But then somebody who's gone through that can share the lessons. Oh, like this is what I did when my launch failed. This is what I learned from it. Like it's almost like a little brain transplant from what you've experienced and what you've learned. Um, and the, the pivoting, the messaging one's so interesting because, and, and like pivoting niches, all of that. Like I, I think there's almost like this misconception that if you have to pivot your niche or pivot your messaging, it's like your business isn't working. And I mean, I've also recently pivoted my messaging a little bit and it wasn't because it wasn't working. It was more that it, it had served us to this point and it's not going to be what gets us to the next level. Uh, and I think yours was kind of similar to that as well. Um, yeah. And it's, it's also about like, we are evolving as well as business mm -hmm. owners. You know, like when I first got started, I was, I was working with anyone and everyone. And then over time, I started to really refine, you know, who my audience were, who I love serving. And, um, similarly for you, you know, it, it's also as our evolution happens, we're going to be called to, to be sharing different messages and different audiences. And then the final, the final pillar, uh, because we are running out of time, final pillar is lay the groundwork for growth and expansion. So what exactly is this pillar about? 
this is just all about the mindset work, like bringing together the, the practical side of business. Um, and, you know, I'm such a big believer that you can't just have a great mindset and sit on a mountain somewhere and manifest millions of mm. dollars. Um, and conversely, I think that, you know, if you're just caught in the push, 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 grind, 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 and not actually stepping back and dreaming and allowing yourself to have these big, crazy dreams. And, you know, we spoke about that the power of taking breaks and stepping away and how that's really where the magic does start to happen. This is really about like, how can you allow yourself to dream big and to have those big, crazy dreams that the average person is scared to even allow themselves to have? And, um, yeah, and then go and chase them, bring them to reality. Oh, I love that. And what a beautiful note to end on. So, Claire, where can our listeners find you and where can they get their hands on a copy of your book? Well, the listeners can find me at www.clairewood.com. So it's C-L-A-R-E. There's no I in there. Thanks, Mum. Um, and there's a link on there to to grab my book and my podcast and all of the things. So come on over and say hello. Wonderful. And we'll link to that in the show notes. Thank you so much, Claire. Like I always enjoy our chats and it was so much fun to actually record one of these and share our chats with my audience. So thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me on. All right. That is it for today's episode. If you haven't already hit subscribe, make sure you hit the plus button in Apple Podcasts or the follow button in Spotify and you'll get each new episode straight to your podcast app every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Thank you so much for listening. Catch you next time. Mm -hmm.